Welcome to the Faith Church Peshtigo podcast. You can connect with us online at faithpeshtigo.com. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Faith Church Peshtigo. Today's podcast features a conversation between Pastor Jay and Pastor Robbie talking about the sermon from April 18th, 2021. Hi, everybody. <laughs> it's, it, that was too growly. It was, it was actually a little bit too Harry Carey. Yes. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hi, stay. No, yeah, that was a little, it was a little Sorry, bit. Sorry, it was too much. That was too much. It was too much. You should try it again. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Is that better? No. No? I feel like you're making fun of me now. I'm not. And I'm, well. And that's, that's not fair because I never. You have never, that's oh, true. You've I'm, never done a voice that would be unflattering right. to me. Never. <laughs> or anyone. Nor have I ever, yeah, it's uncalled for, unprovoked and uncalled for, Robbie. Unprovoked. I'm actually offended right now that evidently my impression was so bad you thought that I was making fun of you when it was in fact just... Well, first of a, all, I don't say poor, hi. unsuccessful attempt. What do you, what do you say? I say, hey. It's, it's hey, everybody. Oh, you're right. It is hey. But it's not like so, it's just, hey, everybody. <laughs> Softer. I... And more winsome. I'm feeling. I'm yours feeling prompted like to use car salesman to clip of uh, a montage of your podcast hey greetings. Hey everybody! Hey everybody! Hey everybody! <laughs> yeah, that would be great. That would be really good. Well, yeah. All right. Hey everybody! Welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I'm your host Jay Williams, and joining me is Robbie Helene. Hello, everyone. We are glad that you're listening. Yes, we are. Um, you, do you ever feel weird saying your own name? Saying my own name? Yeah, I feel weird about saying my own name. Sounds weird to me. I don't know that I can relate to that one. Really? I think you have a like a smoother name than I do. Robbie Helene. What's Robbie wrong with Helene? G. Williams? I don't. It it just Williams just is a mouthful. <laughs> if, if you say it like that, Jay I mean, Williams. If you, if you're, I don't Tongue know. I got by a B right before you say it. I suppose it would sound weird. I've always felt strange saying my own name. Huh. Jay Williams. I just, it sounds, I don't know. Well, this is the way it is. We can have a discussion about that off air. Okay. Yeah. We can't really dig into that right now. I don't think un- we, have, we don't have time. We don't have time to unpack all that is there because it's a lot. It's a big suitcase full of baggage. A big, a big Wait, suitcase baggage. full of baggage. <laughs> suitcase full of well, it's like those. It's a suitcase that has another suitcase those, inside. Yeah, that's actually like those, probably accurate. Right, those Rastafarian dolls. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know those. We'll, we'll tighten this yeah, up in post. Nope, yep, yep, those dolls. Babushka dolls. What is it? Yeah, those those dolls. Anyway, a matryoshka, um, the yeah, Russian things. No, that's not it. Okay, no, that's not it. So, this weekend, we had a light topic on the sermon of propitiation. That's a fun word. It is a fun word to say. And an even funnier, not funnier, funner word hmm. to, <laughs> to study mm-hmm. and unpack. You know, we could have a whole other conversation about is it fun or more fun, but we're funner or more fun because it breaks all of English language rules to say more fun. And I don't get it, but does it? It does. 
but that's assuming that there are English rules because we are the best at breaking all the rules we set. That is a fact. You have to memorize more exceptions to rules than the rules. So Yeah, it's super fun teaching your kids English. Yeah. And they say, why is this like this? I don't know. Yep, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Anywho. But propitiation. Yes. You're supposed to have questions. This is you. You're this is my to... part? Okay. Well, I think I so. I do have questions. Okay. Have them because I, I don't know what else to say. I, you know. I, it, well, that is a problem you often exhausted. have running out of words. That's uh, a problem what? That is a problem you often run into. Yeah. Not, not having, having words. A, being at a loss mm-hmm. for words. I, I actually had several questions, not, not because you didn't answer them, but because I thought they were like really good some several really really good points that kind of sent me down the the train of thought um one of them you i thought it was really helpful toward the beginning of the sermon when you were explaining that the the it is not either biblical or helpful for us to respond to someone when they come to us confessing a sin with the kind of they're there it's not a big deal everybody does it like which which we want to do because like, understandably, we don't want that person to feel discouraged. We want to try to encourage them. The problem is, oftentimes we, as you articulated, we oftentimes accidentally discourage them by making sure they don't believe the gospel, which is not our intention, but that is what we do when we're when we're diminishing sin. And, and as you, I thought, um, uncomfortably but accurately pointed out, essentially make ourselves the justifier of their sin. Um, I thought that was really helpful. And, and I would imagine that there are a lot of people who heard that and thought, oh my goodness, I definitely don't want to do that. So how would you encourage somebody? Like if I, when I come to you and I, and I share a particular sin, um, we don't want to say, hey, that's no big deal. We also don't want to say, wow, you might be the worst person ever. Like neither of those things are either helpful or biblical. No. So what is what would you say is the gospel response in that moment? So I mean that is a great question and that's a great example of how there are times where you get done preaching a sermon and then someone asks a question like that and you think why did I not answer that in the sermon? That definitely could I don't I know mean, why that wasn't a f- callback, you know, as I was illustrating the better right. things, I could have called back to that illustration. But It wasn't that you know. concise, but I, I mean, essentially yeah. the rest of the sermon was answering that, but like for right. for the dum-dums like me. No, like it's not, it's just really practical, clear, like because like, you, yeah, you're right. So I think, so in that, I mean, number one, I would want to, so an, as an aside, I did make the point that when I do that, sometimes my motivation is like, I, I'm actually putting my place I'm putting myself in the place of Jesus. Yeah. There is a way in which we want to do that. And that I think that's kind of an aside that I would encourage us to, you know, be mindful of that sometimes what do you mean we by that? What, well, we want sometimes <laughs> it sounds horrible to say this, but sometimes we want to be Jesus in someone's life. We want to be the comforter rather than a comfort who points them to the true comforter. Hmm. We want to be we want to have that place in their life. We want to be seen as the, um, yeah, seen as the comforter. So I, that's just kind of an aside that um, that we want to be. You just want to be mindful of that. But to the extent that our desire is just to comfort, and we see our friend hurting, and they're confessing the sin, there's the there. That's a good part of it. That's light in that. That is 
that is reflecting God's desire to comfort us. And so, um, so I want to affirm that. So I want to, I want to confront and say, Hey, don't be, don't be afraid to ask that hard question of him. Do I want to be the center of this? Do I want to be seen mm-hmm. as the one who gives the comfort? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So if so, then that's a whole other thing to confess and to, to lay out there. But, but, to the extent that we're just talking about my friend has confessed this thing, they're grieving over it, they feel guilt, they feel conviction, and I want to bring comfort to them. I don't want to bring condemnation to them. That's a good desire. And so um, I, I would say first is keep um, keep that desire, and I want to affirm, fir- affirm that. Then um, I think the, the, the issue is um, you're, you're trying to, comfort them by taking them to Jesus. And, um, and, and also you can, so I, so here's what I would do. I guess now I'm, I'm going in a roundabout way, but what I would do, if you confess to sin to me that you're struggling with, like the first thing I would want to do is I want to affirm your confession. Uh, I don't, yeah. I don't want to dismiss it. Good. And that's what I'm talking about. When we say things like, oh, don't worry about it, or everybody struggles with it, or I struggle with it too, or it's not that big of a deal. All of those things are ways of dismissing the confession and understand that your brother or sister is confessing this to you because they're feeling conviction. Yeah. So don't, don't dismiss the confession, affirm the confession and affirm in them that like what a good thing it is that God is honored by their confession and by bringing this out into the light and um, affirm that, uh, that it's good that we confess our sins to one another. And you can express how you, how thankful you are that they trust you enough to bring that to them. Like these are all ways that we can be a, a, you know, kind of a soft place to land for people who are confessing their sins without that actually draw them to Jesus rather than um, try to, to, to draw them away. And so, so I would I would affirm that I would affirm that that's evidence that the Holy Spirit is working their lives and rejoice with them in that, and then I would try to steer them towards um, just confessing that maybe in prayer to Jesus because sometimes people will confess sins um, like it's just different for everybody right some people have no issue confessing sins to God in prayer but they're terrified of confessing to other people and then there are people who have no issue confessing their sin to friends, but they're doing it as a way to absolve themselves from actually having that heart Hmm. talk with Hmm. God. So I'll talk about my failures and my struggles over here, but in, but I'm not actually taking that and confessing that. So I would, I would, as a friend would want to, you know, affirm the confession, affirm the work that God is doing in them that would bring that conviction and then go to Christ in prayer, like go to God in prayer through Christ and thanking him that, that we even get to approach him. And I would rejoice with them in the gospel that we, that we have a father who hears us, who is patient with us. And then after all of that, um, I would probably, uh, then you can deal with what is the actual sin issue. But notice, like, I don't, I don't deal with the actual sin issue until after I've gone through those other things. And when you ask this question, I had to think through it. It's not like I have this like chart and every time someone confesses a sin to me, I pull out this card and be like, okay, well, this is what I'm step one. I do this. I was just thinking back even in the last couple of weeks as people confess um, sin and things that they're struggling with. And what is, what is my natural or what is my inclination in that? And, and how does Jesus 
Um, more importantly, how does Jesus confront that or how does he deal with people's confessions of sin? And, um, and, and that's, that's what I see because you're making yeah. it about Christ. You're wanting to pull them, turn them towards Jesus to understand that to affirm, yeah, that probably is sin. Like you're feeling conviction over this. Well then that's sin. Confess it. And he is faithful and just to forgive us and to rejoice in that. And then after you've done that, then deal with like, okay, well, is there, is there accountability? Are there ways that I can help you in this? Like how, how can I, um, usually I kind of go down the road then of how can I help you in this battle? Like maybe Mm, it's a repetitive thing. It could just be a one-off thing. Like you're just, man, I snapped and I don't normally do that, but I did that. And I know it was because of this desire or whatever. Um, and sometimes you're talking about really habitual things like, man, this thing has a grip on me. Um, and then all of that are, are different, different ways. There's different ways of battling against that and helping someone, but that's, that's what I would do when someone confesses. I think, I think that's really good. I love, I love the way you unpack that. I think, I think we're, we're the part of the problem. I wonder is if we're, we're so seldom considering what am I communicating about Jesus in my response right now? Right. That if, if you come to me with a confession and my response is, oh, don't even worry about it. This isn't that big a deal. Like if, if you're doing that because the Holy Spirit of the living God gave you convic- conviction about that, and then you muster up the courage to come to me and, and bring that to me, what I'm communicating is that was a total waste of your time to try to obey the Holy Spirit, right. like, which... I, I believe most of us would be horrified to know that that's what we're communicating, and it's certainly not our intention. But in in not considering what am I communicating about Christ in my response right now, I'm I'm inadvertently oftentimes communicating horrible things. I'm devaluing Him. I'm I'm devaluing the work of the Spirit in your life, and uh, I really don't want to do that. So I. I, I thought that was a really helpful explanation. Thanks for that. You know, you also said, by the way, um, and this works on the other side. If someone brings a sin, confesses a sin to you that you know is horrifying and really destructive, like you have a friend that comes and confesses that they're having an affair or that, you know, just something that you're saying, oh, man, this is absolutely horrifying and it is destructive, I still would go the same road. Right. I still would not lead with, we tend to want to, we tend to want, I guess, man, that's interesting. We tend to want to lead with judgment on the sin. Mm-hmm. Like we either a dismissal, like declaring it, not a big, not a big deal. And, you know, charges are dismissed or I want to deal with that sin and, and make sure, you know, like, Oh, that is horrible. Like we have to stop this either way. You're leading with, I would, I would just say you're leading with the wrong thing. Like we want right. to lead with, drawing them into the presence of Jesus so that the Holy Spirit then can deal with those things and you walk them through that. And and yes, by all means, there is a time to confront that sin and to say, okay, you know, this isn't what you, this isn't who you are. This is not who you're called to be. So therefore, how do we, how do we walk in the light in this? Um, definitely that's, there's a place for that, but either way, whether it's a sin that you think is no big deal or one that you know um, objectively is, is, is a big deal, um, lead with, uh, lead with Christ-like compassion, um, because what you say, and you said it so well, Robbie, the, um, just that idea of what, what you say about Jesus, like, what are you saying about Jesus and the gospel 
when you react a certain way, we have to remember that is more important than what you say about that sin. Yes. It infinitely, it, infinitely more, more important. important. And we tend to not feel that way. We tend to think that the most important thing is that I tell that I say the right thing about this sin. And that is not the most important thing. The most important thing is that we say that we speak truth about Jesus and about the gospel. And then we deal with the, the details of sin and how to fight against that and, and all that. Yeah. And, and for, for the person who hears that and, and thinks, oh, well, that's, you're, you're avoiding holding that person accountable to sin or, or addressing the seriousness of that sin. I, I would, I would diffuse that by saying, uh, nope. First of all, no, that's, that's the opposite of what is happening. What is actually happening is saying we take it so seriously that we want to address it the way Jesus addresses it. That Jesus points us to the cross. All the Old Testament post or New Testament post cross is pointing us back to the cross as the solution for that sin. So why on earth would we not lead out with the the way that the triune God has decided to deal with sin? And right. rather than leading out with my broken and feeble way of fixing it myself or convincing you to fix it yourself or trying to diminish it. Like why I, I want to take it so seriously that we go, man, we need to go right to the only way that God has declared this can possibly be dealt with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the other things that you said, um, since we're talking about the idea of sin that is within us, um, I thought that was such a helpful, and I love how concise you made it. I love, I love, pithy. I love brevity, right? I love when people can break something down into one sentence with that Which take, is why you, takes me like four paragraphs. Yeah, that's why you typically don't like my preaching. <laughs> no one <laughs> has so ever no one has ever accused me of being brief and pithy. No, well, no. But you get a good you get you get those great like like you you can you condense a really great point into a sentence and I thought you did that when you when you gave the two sides of the coin by saying like oftentimes we are offended by the idea that I need God to forgive me. And the other side of that coin is I am equally offended by the idea that God might f- actually forgive that other person. Yeah. Right. And, and what, what I thought, what I started to write down is like my first thought when I hear that, and I think most, for most of us, I would argue our first thought is, ah, yes, that is so sad that lost people do that. <laughs> right. And, and they do, they certainly do. Right. But, so do we like that we i think it's so essential for us to realize this is not just an an unchurched problem this is also an issue within the church that our tendency oftentimes is to be offended as christians by the idea that there might currently be there is not might there is currently gross sin in my heart or in my life in in my actions in my thoughts uh or in my heart that that I need to repent of. Mm-hmm. And, and, our, and our, our immediate thought is, no, there was that before I became a Christian, but now I'm a Christian. So that's a, that's a problem for, for unbelievers. And, and I was just struck by, uh, personally convicted and just struck by how important it is to remember that that is not just a problem outside of the church. That is very much a problem for us that, that we are, offended by the idea that currently we are in need of God's mercy and grace because of our current sin and that it is 
very much a destructive and, and I would even argue anti-gospel problem in our hearts that we are offended by the idea as Christians that God might forgive that particular type of person. Yeah, and I don't know where, this is something I've always struggled to understand, that we are we are very quick, yeah, because you're right. I, and when I, when I said that, I was thinking both in the church and outside the church, because that's just typically how I think. I just, I just think like, man, we, we are so, we're uncomfortable because we feel like, we feel like our sin is just not as bad. It's, it's not, it's not a new problem. It's just, we feel like the sin that we do, we find understandable. Yep. And I've used this illustration so many times, but you know, one of the studies when they showed years ago, why, um, why are drunk why is drunk driving so compared to other crimes it was like these crimes get less of a of a penalty than these even though you look at the destruction that it does and in trying to figure that out and the conclusion was simply well the crimes that legislators are most likely to commit have lower penalties mm-hmm. because they can understand it like, oh, I know that's bad, but everybody knows what it's like when you, you know, have one too many or whatever. Whereas other people are horrified by that and thinking, how in the world could you ever allow that? Where you saw that um, in just different, um, whether it's crime or drug use or any of these different things, that it just keeps coming back to the people who make the laws are harder on the things that they don't tend to do and softer on the things that they do. And we are just, we're just, <laughs> we're conditioned for that, man. Yeah. Like we, we just say, we find it, we know it's wrong, but it's understandable. But that thing that I've never been tempted to, that I've never been, that I've never struggled with, that's, that is an anathema. And that is like, just, it, it is so far. And so you just, and, and we'll quote, and it's always interesting to me when it says, do you not know, you know, that, that these will not inherit the kingdom people always pull out the ones that they don't struggle with and completely right. ignore the things that they do on a daily basis, likely. Right, that are all on the same list. It's same list. No no tears, no nothing, just same list. And and that just reveals something so um, so dark in us that we, that, that again, that we're trying to be our own justifier. And so I think it is important to understand what, what is grace and, and what does it look like to receive that? And what does it mean that Jesus paid for our sins? And Robbie, you've been talking a lot lately around the office and our private conversations about one of the, one of those parts hmm. of that, which is this idea that we tend to, um, we, we tend to be very quick to identify our, our actions and behaviors and words um, and, and emotions as sinful and fallen. And we, we, we tend to understand how that works, but we have a lot of confidence in our own thinking or reason. Right. Right. Because we've, whether we would articulate it this way or not, we've convinced ourselves that, uh, that basically every aspect of ourselves have been affected by sin, except our reason. So we can be completely objective and completely pure intellectually. Yeah, we've, you know, our, our emotions sometimes, you know, our emotions obviously are tainted by sin and our actions, you know, sometimes can be tainted by sin. Um, but luckily, the one pure thing about us is our reason, our intellect. And it's, it's simply, I mean, it's hilariously unbiblical. Like scripture is, uh, is just 
is saturated with a reminder of who are you, oh man? Like you, like like God uses the foolish things, like you de- declaring themselves to be wise, they became fools is what is what Paul lays out in, in Romans 1 when he explains what is sin. Like that's how basically how he defines sin is they thought that they were wise. They trusted in their mm-hmm. reason. And so we end up in this really weird place where we say like we are not saved by works except for the work of reason, right? I am saved by my work of reason. That has saved me. My decision or my correct doctrinal beliefs are the proof of my salvation and my qualification for for that. Um, and then we are so quick to, to du- judge those um, who hold different but arguably equally biblically supportable positions. Um, so what, one of the other questions that maybe you can, you can help me out with that, that came out of that is you, you made a, a strong argument when I mean, you can't talk about propitiation without talking about how the whole point is that every sin is, is dealt with, is paid for. And then, and then I love that you went, it's, and it's so much, so much beyond, further beyond just forgiveness and being paid for. But, but what I couldn't help think as you were saying that is, so if every sin is paid for, what then do we do with bad doctrine? What, why do we feel that bad, even sinfully bad doctrine is the sin that the cross does not cover? Because somehow that's, that's separate. How, how, how do you respond to that? Well, I mean, first, first I would say I, I hope it's covered because I have bad doctrine. Well, you're in good company because that includes literally every right. human being on the face every of the earth being. through all of human history. I mean, it is a. I, I hope that no one would say honestly that they have perfect doctrine and that they understand that. Now, I know that there are people, but I would hope that, that most people would understand that no. Um, and, and the reason we think that is because, like, for example, we look at the Bible and we say, well, there it is, text in black and white, you know, written there. But you're also implying that your understanding of that, your your interpretation, the way your background, everything that goes into your interpretation and understanding of that, that you're saying that is that is not not flawed at all. That is incredibly dangerous. You don't have to say you can believe that the Bible is inerrant and fully trustworthy and authoritative and still very much understand that the way I interpret it and understand it is not. Yes. It's none of those things. Um, and so praise Jesus that he covers the sins of bad doctrine. Amen. And, and I think, you know, what's important about that is we, we would say, and, and this is, it's admittedly difficult. Like there are things that go to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the centrality of the resurrected Lord and the in the propitiation for sins that are critical. Like so I would say denying anything that would say that would um that would break apart that payment for our sins and the renewal that is found therein, that's that's when we get into heresy. And there's all kinds of, you know, there's branches of that. There's, there's ways of, you know, there's all kinds of rabbit trails that people have gone down. But ultimately, um, there are all kinds of areas of, of doctrine that, um, that we disagree on. And like you said, that that's biblically supported. And we just, 
we tend to be, like you said, the, the whole, that, that, that argument or that caution to not be wise in our own eyes is multiple places in scripture. Yeah. And what they're talking about is, is this idea that I can, that I can understand that I can know that if I just with my own reason study the scriptures enough, then I will come to all the proper conclusions. And, and therefore, if you don't come to that conclusion, then you are not submitted to the same word and therefore you're not submitted to the same God. And that is, that is just dangerous. So I'm not really sure how other than, other than to say, um, to be aware, I think that probably the simplest takeaway from that is really what what you said is is be aware that your reason and your logic is and 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 your intellectual <laughs> your intellectual abilities are every bit as fallen as your emotions oh. and your experience and your behavior and all this. It's every bit as infected by the fall, um, and so. When we do that, then we have grace with one another in that. And by the way, it, it this often happens when we when we have you know denominational differences, and so there'll be these things where you just because you've never been in a uh, a particular circle, like if you've never experienced, like for example, we have these conversations around baptism. Like there are people who believe that if you baptize a baby, then you know you're you're you got one foot you got one foot out the door, and you just think there are a lot of godly people who really believe the Bible and love Jesus and, and they baptize infants. Now I can be convinced of one way, but do I, would I say like, well, man, if you just read the Bible, then like when you say things like that, we'll just read the Bible. It's obviously right there. Well, okay. But are you, are you willing to acknowledge that, you know, that, that maybe your understanding of that is incomplete. Right. Am I willing to acknowledge that there are people who have read the Bible a lot, way <laughs> more often than I have right. and know it much more deeply and intimately than I do that hold a differing position. And, uh, I mean, it, I, I, I appreciate your, that, that idea of just being, being on guard. I mean, because, I mean, this is, I don't say this as like, man, I can't believe people have done this before. Like, this was me. This absolutely was something that, that I struggled deeply with, um, partially because of kind of the camp that I grew up in and partially just because of my own tendencies and, and you know, my own heart idols that I was, that God's had to work on in me. So as one who has struggled with this, I think it's really important to be on guard of, uh, uh, you know, against the idea of, you know, well, Jesus said they will know we are Christians by our doctrine. No, no, he did not. That's not at all what he said. And then it gets even more, quite frankly, ridiculous when what we're actually saying is we are saved by our current cultural application of a certain doctrine, mm-hmm. right? So I look at this guy and then I say that man or that woman is applying a biblical principle differently than I would in this cultural moment. And therefore I declare them to be unbiblical or a false teacher. Like that idea would make a Pharisee cringe. <laughs> like that is a, that is a, a maybe Nicodemus. I don't know. No Some way, man. Pharisees. I mean, the, I mean, the, the, I mean, we, we give the Pharisees a bad yeah, rap, man, but these guys, I mean, these were faithful men who were pursuing God and, and they under like their, the way their system worked was 
I would choose the rabbi that I wanted to be taught by because I wanted to follow his interpretation of scripture. And then all of those guys get together as part of the Sanhedrin. And yeah, there's debate, but they all respected one another as, as being devout to Torah. And so the idea of like, well, this guy's following Nicodemus and that guy's following Gamaliel, we go, yeah. And that's, that's where you know, we get the idea of Jesus saying, my yoke is easy because those different rabbis would call their interpretation of, of Torah their yoke. Right. And so like that wasn't unusual. And they were still, they were all Pharisees, even though they had these different interpretations because what they understood probably better than anyone is this is too big for us to understand. Like this is the ineffable God of the universe is too big for us. And so we're doing, we're doing our best to try to grapple with this. And then I, well, on one hand, accusing the Pharisees of being too legalistic, well, then, well, then in my heart, judge somebody as an unbiblical false teacher because of the way they are applying a particular understanding of scripture in this specific current cultural context. That's bonkers. And, and I need to guard my heart against that. Well, and that's that whole idea is if you're taking God's the God's word as revealed in Scripture, if you're taking that seriously, then you would see that the Bible says that about itself. Like it's it's not exhaustive. It's not. It doesn't cover yeah. in text. It's not a it's not a science textbook that you say. Well, if I if I study all this, then I'll know all the answers to the test, and I'll know exactly how this all works. Um, we would we would understand that's even ridiculous in a science textbook, but we try to do that with the Bible. When you know John says, if if I wrote down everything that Jesus did, like right. if I wrote down everything, like there's not enough books in the world, like to think that God, everything about God and about how we are to respond in every situation as children of God, can be contained in a manual. That's that's just, it's ridiculous, and the Bible itself says it's ridiculous. So um, that doesn't mean, however, that we can't know God. Like that whole phrase of you can know God truly but not fully. Yeah. And so the Bible um, th- the Bible is true, and it is inerrant, and it is, you know, it is inspired, and it, um, it does reveal it. God chose to use that to reveal himself, who he is and what he has done. But... The, that's the main that's the main point of it and it's it was never he did not intend that to be a a textbook that we study and then we we get all the answers and some of us are a students and some of us are b students yeah yeah it's it's so much more complex than that and so i think there's a certain humility we have to have with it and and it'll make people cringe because people will cringe and they'll they'll hear that and they'll say oh you're saying then that there's all these other ways well jesus is the word of god Yes. Right. Like so. Amen. Amen. When we take the Bible, yeah, we take the That's Bible and we say like, "This is the Word of God." Like sometimes that makes me. I'm like, yes, but it's it doesn't it doesn't contain everything because right. Jesus <laughs> Jesus is not fully contained in it. The Bible says Jesus isn't fully contained in it. So right. um, that's where we have to understand that that yes, like the when we contradict Scripture, that's when we have. Problems. That's a problem. That's right. And um and but but these this understanding the submission to it and saying like well I I know that God has given us this and so I I'm going to study that and I'm going to try to respond to that um that's good and we can have those debates and those conversations 
Um, but we do need to do so with humility and, um, and, and, and benefiting from others in the church. So I could, we could talk That's about good. that forever, yeah. but, um, I, I appreciate you bringing that up. I, to me, man, to wrap a bow on, on this, maybe the, the big takeaway is, um, what did I say the takeaway was? This is where I'm good. Let me summarize by forgetting how I was going to summarize it. <laughs> uh, oh, be just be on guard. Yeah. You know, be, be on guard and be aware and be in, intentional about those things and understand that, that the fall, that sin infects every bit of me from my mind to my emotions, to, you know, the way I think about things, the way I see things. And then you combine all of that with my sliver of an experience in the world because I only grew up one way. I grew up, you know, the, I grew up the way I grew up. I didn't grow up the way that you grew up. Yeah. I only have seen what I have seen. I, I can't see what, I can't experience what everybody else has experienced. So when you combine those, you know, a couple of things of being, being aware that my reason is flawed and um, is fallen every bit as much as my emotions are. And then being aware that even even in areas where it's redeemed, my my understanding and my lens is so limited, such a small sliver of what there is to know and understand and the views to see things from, that should give me a, a healthy dose of humility and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and a healthy dose of awe that God Amen. was still yeah. able to reveal himself to us. Like it's pretty amazing that with my fallen understanding and my very limited scope of experience that God was still able to pierce through all of that yeah. and reveal himself and to rescue us and to redeem us yeah, and to atone good. for our sins and, and and bring us back and adopt us. It's, it's really, it's really incredible. Um, so that's, that's exciting to me. And I hope that that is, um, I hope it's been helpful. I love that man. It is incredible because he is incredible. Right. He is he is so incredible, and uh, hopefully, this conversation uh, helped stir your affections for Christ and and your delight in the fact that he has uh, in- completely and utterly dealt with your sin and uh, and that it is it is safe to come to him in confession and to one another because of that. Um, hopefully, you feel a little more equipped with how to handle that when someone comes to you in that. And uh, hopefully this stirred up some questions in you as well. And if so, we would love to hear those. So please uh, email those to us at connect at faithpeshtigo.com or catch us on a Sunday morning. Um, we, we love to hear how the Spirit is encouraging you and, and what he's teaching you and the things that um, maybe, maybe if by God's grace some of our conversations are, are stirring something in you, we would love to hear that too. So thanks for listening, church. We love you. Grace and peace to you.